Welcome to the Bear Den Podcast, presented by Bear Performance Marketing. Sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and feel free to use all of the marketing knowledge we have prepared for you. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Bear Den Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Matt Fralick. Had a little bit of a break. I was on vacation. We've getting some new interviews lined up, but of course, we've been supplementing with our Bear Necessities blogs, turned into audio format under the Bear Necessities Audio Digest. Hope you guys have been enjoying those. Basically, streamline instead of having to read if you don't have the time, listening to the blogs in a short three to seven minute MP3 version. I'm excited to finally have another BPM team member with me today. Obviously, you heard Aaron's story a few months ago. I was able to track down my colleague. Jake Slegger to discuss his role with BPM, his history here, his photography business, which many of you probably know about already, just the challenges that he deals with on a day-to-day basis from the digital side of things. And we'll also get into his recent blog he wrote for us, different ways to attract people to a new website. And we'll discuss those five ways. But Jake, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Matt, for having me. Kind of excited to do one of these. Of course. It's been a long time coming. I know we've been super busy. We always are super busy at BPM with all of our clients' needs and our internal needs. Obviously, you running your own photography business, running our digital ads, and being now a uh, stay-at-home teacher occasionally is uh, not really open up a lot of free time. So I appreciate you making the time before you go on vacation here. Yeah, that's a joy. Another role to my ever-busy schedule. Yeah, going on vacation, just uh, kind of following your suit Mm -hmm. uh, since you were on vacation last Last week, with everything going on, we just need to get out of Wisconsin. It's a good time. Uh, It's a good time to do that. We are going to first discuss Jake's role with BPM. So Jake does all of our digital advertising, which basically includes Google, any ads you'll see like on websites that you get retargeted by, and also like all social media ads. So Jake's been in that role for the last seven to eight years. Is that right, Jake? Yeah, eight. I think 2012 is when I came on with BPM. Obviously, we're going to get into this a little bit further. We're going to discuss the challenges you've seen. Um, I know when I started in January, you, after a few months, had a hiccup in the road, and this was a rare one. I mean, there's always technology that's evolving. We see that all the time. You know, I'm on the social side, so there's always an update to the, you know, an Instagram platform or a Facebook layout, which I hate. But we're going to talk about maybe one of those big issues you had recently. Before we get into the, like, the nitty gritty, like, tell me about your photography business more. When I started working with you, I was like, ah, Jake just does photography. It's like a fun little thing. But then the more I've come to learn, especially when you got in your busy season, I was like, this is like legit. Like, and he's got it in his truck. So it's got to be, it's not just some like side project. (laughs) Yeah. So I uh, had the love of photography, kind of went on a trip to Napa one year with with my folks and I don't drink a lot of wine. So I spent a a week in in vineyards and walking through vines and that it, it inspired the love of my photography through course changes of careers uh my wife actually told me to to pursue my own business uh and kind of take it to the next level 2012 same year i started here at bpm i started slager photography you'll see my truck rolling around town logo blazing down the side big thing i do is high school seniors uh, I'm, I'm a 12 year old at heart so I fit really well with that uh, that age demographic, and I can I can joke around a little bit with them, get some great smiles, really give them something that they they can be proud of and and kind of remember their their senior year. It's fun to to get around that age group. You know, they're coming into being adults. I like asking them kind of tough questions. What are you going into? You know, what? How do you want to make a difference in in the world with 
maybe a career path, that kind of stuff. I'm very happy with where that age bracket over the past couple years has been going. A lot are going into trade, which I love to see. Mm -hmm. So all you business owners out there, you know, watch for these kids. They're, They're smart and they've got a lot to offer coming up. Obviously, follow Jake's photography business, Slugger Photography, on Facebook or Instagram. He's always putting out stuff highlighting his seniors he does. He also does weddings from occasion, but primary focus is those seniors because it's consistent yeah. and you know kind of what you're dealing with. You don't have to deal with bridezillas or anything crazy, right. especially with COVID right now. People... Yeah, we don't want any of those. Uh, COVID weddings were a treat this year. I mean, it, I've never taken so many masked pictures. Every wedding that I shot this year was great. Uh, like Matt said, I, I try not to do a lot of weddings. Uh, I don't like those bridezillas. As long as I can kind of have a have a beer with you at the end of the night, it's going to be a great wedding. Jake started in 2012 and didn't, I mean, to be brutally honest, you just told me this before we started recording, like you didn't really know anything about digital advertising. No. I mean, you knew of what it was, but you didn't yeah. understand what like went into it. When you started, like what was your, what were, what did it look like in 2012 behind getting like certified or educating yourself? Like how did you, one, get the credentials, if you will, to be able to know how to do it and then like educate yourself on the process? Well, I, I knew Aaron from back in our radio days. We worked at, at Cumulus together and he, he messaged me one day and he goes, I'm trying to fill this position. Do you know anybody that is, is a good fit? Uh, I go, hey man, I'll be in in a half an hour. Let's chat. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm here at BPM and where Aaron and I are kind of streamlining a new offering for BPM as far as digital advertising goes. Now in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin in 2012, that was unheard of. You go into somebody's business and you tell them what you're going to do on, on Google and they're like, no, you know, I'm, I'm advertising in the phone book yet. Whereas if you, that same time period, you're out in California, everybody's doing it. And if you're not, you're left at the wayside. The market has become so educated over these past eight years as far as, you know, what we have done and what we've developed as far as me getting Google certified. Had to take a ton of courses on that because I didn't know anything going into it. But I was willing to learn and I knew it was going to make a, a difference for businesses around here. And there wasn't that service around here. I spent months and months going for my Google certification as far as Google AdWords goes. There's many different ones that you can take. I've got a handful of them um, that I'm all certified in. Over those eight years, I've kind of grown to know the ins and outs of that platform. And it, it does come along with its challenges every once in a while. Um, kind of like Matt alluded to earlier, different algorithm changes and, and all of that. Give me a ballpark, like the onboarding when you started in 2012, like how many hours did it take between studying or taking those courses? Because I imagine there was a ton right away. Any idea of like how long it took you to get? I've got legal notebooks full of notes. Gosh, it, months. Months. Months, where it wasn't anything that we could present to a client. It was just digesting that information. Aaron was awesome enough to kind of open up BPM as as far as a guinea pig, you know, for this new product that we're going to be offering. He goes, let's use this on ourselves, experiment a little bit, let's see some results from it, fine-tune it, and then we can deliver it out to our clients and actually you know, make a difference for their business. So those initial months, gosh, four or five months was strictly studying and, and learning. So um, it was basically a full semester of classes. We'll say yeah. once, I mean, and 
but it was also like it was probably a little bit more rigorous than that because it's not three hours here, two hours there, a little study in there. You were no, you were in it, it. every day, all day. Um, and my eyes went goofy for a while there, where you're staring at a computer screen for so long. For sure. Uh, and like Aaron's mentioned before on a couple of the pod, or the two podcasts he was on, you guys will hear this more often than you know on our social media and our blogs and basically anything we preach is like we don't do anything that we don't try ourselves. So that's exactly what Jake is talking about when he's alluding to Aaron trying the digital Google side of things and social media things back in 2012. Months to get you up to speed back in 2012. And I know you've said a few times, like I think is it quarterly bi-quarterly, yearly, how often do you have to take the courses to stay certified, Jake? Um, it was every year. Um, they had a new training come out that was every two years. Normally, every certification is a year. Um, there's a couple that are two years. But there's, there's new learning every day that I log in. Google is like every other media platform out there. They change at the drop of a hat. And, I mean, you've been on on your computer where it says something has changed, you need to refresh, and you refresh and it looks completely different. I mean, the one I've dealt with mostly, obviously my role here is very much so on the social media and the things, and that would be the new Facebook layout and the way the yeah. business suites converted over, and I'm still challenged with baby steps of you know accepting it and trying to find out new ways to maybe circumvent that, but Jake deals with that obviously on the Google side of things. So good segue, you talked about challenges, right? So when I started in January, it was a few months in and obviously COVID hit and I don't know if it was because of COVID or just the way Google and Facebook were handling things, but you said in May there was huge changes you had to overcome. Talk about those what were they? I think they're on both platforms, if I'm not mistaken. What did those look like in May of this year? Google had a huge algorithm change in May, uh, which kind of threw everybody in the industry for a loop a little bit. Um, we had our campaigns all dialed in. Our customers were happy. Uh, we were ranking ones and twos and threes uh, just where they need to be. And May came along and news started hitting that Google was going to change their coding and their algorithm on how they display search results. So we, we kind of got at the forefront of that one and wanted to, to inform all you guys that instead of your website being based on being searchable, you know, how you show up number one, two, and three, Google moved into more of a, we'll call it a content curator, almost a librarian style of, of algorithm where, for example, let's say you've got, and I'm gonna use an example like I have in the blog that I wrote. Uh, there's a 2018, you search for a 2018 Toyota Tundra, right? It's what I drive. You're looking up something on it. Two weeks go down the road, and now you're looking for windshield wipers. Could even be for a different car. First thing Google is gonna show you is windshield wipers for a 2018 Tundra because you have searched for that. So they know exactly where you've been, what you like, what you own, where you live. They know everything. So Google, they're more about showing you extremely relevant information compared to essentially what your website has on it. Mm -hmm. It's a new way of thinking for us as far as making websites. That's where we push a lot of the times where you need to continually add new content. By adding new content, that's going to help with this new algorithm. Mm -hmm. That was one big one. I mean, go out, read the blog. The blog is uh, it's pretty well done back from May. The other big one was Facebook. So Facebook, when COVID hit, they added a 
bunch of different new targeting hurdles. I will call them hurdles. There are numerous things you have to jump over as far as running Facebook ads. And I'm sure if you're a business and you're running those yourself, you're getting ads rejected for numerous different things. Big ones are, they call it their special categories. And I'm gonna put that in air quotes because that's it's what's listed on their website. When developing an ad, it says special categories. Now those categories correlate down to credit, housing, and employment. Facebook's big thing is they don't want anybody to be discriminated against. Based on social class, income, race, basically they want everyone to be just like this even platform. The same person. Like wear the same clothes, have the same haircut, have the same, like everything, which is obviously not the case because that's what makes this world different. Yes, uh, that's why this world is perfect. It's everybody can be entitled to their own opinion. If everybody had a, the same opinion, this world would be a pretty crappy place. As far as targeting goes on, on Facebook, by adding that special category in there, it extremely limits what we can do as far as Facebook on an on a advertising side of things. Big example, if you're a car dealer, right, and you're pumping one car uh, and you want to get that car out to the masses locally, odds are you're going to have to choose special categories and choose the credit option because somewhere down the road there's going to be credit being involved. Even though you're not mentioning it, Facebook will still deny it. Mm-hmm. So Facebook is extremely tricky, and uh, there's frustrations on, on all levels with that. And then as far as Facebook goes with support, I know Matt's laughing right now. Ever since the era of COVID has hit, Facebook kind of went on lockdown and it's extremely hard to get a hold of anybody. There's no support. So even if you've got questions, we're probably your best option as far as getting a relatively quick answer. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we've dealt with a lot of things. Uh, if you go after Facebook, good luck. We've been trying and we don't have any results from from Facebook support. Zero. So. But like Jake said, like we can help you guys if you have issues. I know we've talked to a few prospective clients and clients that do where we fill in the cracks for them and they do some stuff on their own. But I mean, they'll even come to us and ask us certain things. We're able to fill in. Everyone's dealing with this. I mean, we're in this 24-7, right? We're always looking at updates and trying to do ads for people or even just, you know, tweaks to social media platforms and things change rapidly. And like, we're not even always have the answers. And like, you can't imagine these small businesses we talk to that have someone that maybe works on it for five hours a week and they're not up on the the forums or getting the updates from Google or Facebook like Jake or I would. So it's, it's a challenge. And like Jake said, that's why I chuckled. The support in quotes is like the support that you think Facebook once had is no longer existent. Only support basically is the people that have the knowledge or know someone of someone that can maybe get you some help at Facebook. But it's a, it's a very scary time if you're trying to do things on your own and piecemeal it if you're not educated on the process, which is why we're in business. Absolutely. You said it would be, what, May of 2020 was a challenge. Yeah. You mentioned one other. I mean, obviously, there's stuff that's always updating, Jake. We're, duh. It's like technology. Yeah. Like, as soon as you think you know something, it changes. So th- those types of hurdles are very common for us and anyone. But you did mention one other time there was this huge update to the platforms of basically Google Talk about that other challenge, and you say that kind of compares to this one of May of 2020, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, the the May of 2021 was, I'm going to call it about half scale of the one I'm going to tell you about. Um, Well, I'm lucky I didn't know you back when this other one hit then. Yeah. We were freaking out at this other one I'm going to talk about. 
April of 2015, Google came out with, uh, it hit everywhere on the on the news channels. It was called Mobile Get In. Bring yourself back five years. Things were a lot different than they are now. We weren't accessing internet on our, or we were just starting, you know, it, to, to access internet on our phones versus now we can do almost everything on our phone because of technology and how it came up. Back in 2015, Mobile Get In hit. Now what that means is Google put in place that they were going to essentially knock your website down the list or down the ladder if your site wasn't mobile friendly. I know all of you that are listening to this have been on your phone at one point and at the bottom of a website it says do you want to use it on web or on mobile. Mm -hmm. That was all back then. Now everything has changed to, to responsive sites so you can get it on anything. You can get it on your tablet, your phone, your computer. It just adjusts to the size of your screen. So we've, we've all moved past that. But mobile get-in was extremely scary from our standpoint because we've got all these clients, right, with new, brand-new websites, and some of them had that capability. Maybe some clients didn't want to spend a little bit of extra to have that capability. So we had to now go back and say, here's the thing. If you want your website to be shown it's it's not necessarily on us we're trying to stay ahead of this for you but google is going to almost outplace your ad if you don't have these functionality on your on your website so that was a it was a huge thing that no other search engine was doing we'll hear and we'll throw out google bing yahoo we actually had a client the other day that said is yahoo still a thing and i pointed at matt and i said he's still here i'm still here <laughs> i haven't even fact checked the question though i haven't even gone to yahoo.com since then i should have done it in the meeting but like maybe it is but like right? no one you it's it's bing maybe and then google for sure if you want to get after your your clients and and get in front of them Google's got 80% of that market share. Focus on the 80% once you really dial that in, you know, with, with our help. To pull that kind of market share from Google and require sites to to move in that direction was, was huge back in the day. Yeah, it was scary. It's for sure. So, and this, Jake is just talking specifically about, this doesn't even have to do if you don't have ads behind your website, right? I mean, because no. like, not only like, are you going to get knocked down without doing that to begin with, right? If you're complying with Google, but like, this is talking about like, if you're spending with Jake on SEO or digital advertising, how your website would fly to the top. Not only are you giving money to Google, they're like, no, we, we appreciate your money and you're giving us the ads to make your website higher. But if you're not doing this, it doesn't matter. That money is going to go to waste too. So it was like Absolutely. you were, you were pretty much in a, you had to do it if you wanted yeah. your website to show up, even if you're spending you know money to get your website higher. You had to do it. There was no other way around it. So there are ways, Jake, like you mentioned. So you talked about your blog from back in May that you wrote when this big update came. Local SEO: How to improve your local search ranking. Jake talks about that. So definitely go check that out. Obviously on bearpm.com. Click free knowledge and. Go through the archives, they're all set up there differently. You can click through and find that date that was on May 28th. But the one Jake wrote for us for the Bare Necessities, which you'll hear in audio format after this episode in a few days, is the five marketing strategies to implement once you launch a website. So Jake was talking about a few different ways, right? We've talked about the digital advertising of things, how to get people to your website with different keywords and what we work on. And Jake hit on those five main things. So I wanna go through those quickly and give an overview and then we'll get into the ones that we think are 
most appropriate. And Jake knows a hell of a lot more about than anyone in this office. So the first one is to grow your social media presence, right? Start tagging your website, your URL on social, whatever. It's just Facebook. Maybe you have five or six of them out there, maybe even on YouTube. Have your website, make sure it's linked on that profile. Develop a blog. Jake mentions, oh my God, the scary four-letter word in this blog that you wrote. Blog isn't as scary as people think it is. I, Jake, when I started back in January, I was like, who the hell reads blogs? But I didn't understand the value it has in SEO and creating content. And you're talking about creating more content to that website, like you spoke Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll chime in on that one. That goes directly to the issue that I brought up of Google and what happened in May with their algorithm. The more content you can add to your site, the better relevant your site will appear to them. So they can curate that website and tailor it to whatever searches are being typed in. So you're you're gonna be better found. That one, I mean, it just comes down to content. Content, content, content. That's that's key. Mm-hmm. And we, we consistently put out a blog every week for our bearpm.com website. We have a lot of clients that will do two a month, one a month, every other month when something may be relevant for them, um, depending what industry they're in. That's a way to create basically another page on your website that is just written. Molly does all that writing for us. She's a fantastic writer, but it's not just content, Jake. It's quality content with those Absolutely. key with those keywords, right? Yeah. Like you have to have good keywords. The third one you mentioned on this five marketing strategies to implement once you launch a website, which you can hear the audio version after this episode a few days later, is to generate leads. And you can do that by a landing page or a white paper. A white paper is basically a way people have to input their information. You're able to capture that information and then serve them the data or the tips you're looking for. So, I mean, there's been numerous different things, and I'll I'll even use my my photography example. Let's say I'm looking up, you know, how to do something for my photography business, and I find this, I, I type that into Google, page comes up, and it gives me exactly what I need to do, right? But the only way to get that is by entering my information. That is a white paper and a lead generator. That's exactly what we want you guys to do. That is offering a piece of information or or something of value to your searcher that they are willing to give up their contact information. That way you can use it as a later date. Mm -hmm. And another arm of that is like a landing page. I didn't know what a landing page is until I started here. We use it a ton. For the people that don't know, like myself a while ago, talk about what a landing page is and how maybe a white paper and a landing page can be intermixed. A landing page is a page on a website that is only visible via a click. Mm-hmm. So you cannot navigate to that page from within the page, if that makes sense. So an example is, I'm going to use the photog side of things that I just did. I typed in something, how to, let's call it do my taxes, right? And I want to get a document on the steps on what I all need to complete in Wisconsin here to do my taxes. Now somebody could have written a blog that tells me exactly what I need to do. I click on that search query on Google. It brings me to a landing page. Now, if I go to that person's website and try to look for that page, I'm never going to find it. The only way I'm going to get there is by clicking through that search. So it's highly trackable. Next side of that is on every landing page, you want that lead generator. I wanted that information. I put my information in. I got an email with the information. That's how that works. Uh, Landing pages are extremely trackable. Anytime you run ads, 
we would recommend uh, that you, you put in a landing page. Here's another example. You've watched TV, right? What's the guy's name? There's an old football player that is taking some supplements. Uh, I mean, there's tons of them. There could um, be, he's I, at a gym, and he's sure. taking some supplements. Mm-hmm. And it says at the bottom, call this number for your free supplements mm-hmm. or whatever. Here's the code. If you pay attention to that code, that code changes based on what channel you are watching on TV. Really? Yes. Okay. So that is essentially a landing page. So they can tell what TV station that person was watching to call in on. It's the same thing as a digital advertising landing page. I learned something. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and landing page, like Jake said, it's not just, I mean, it's it's through search and it's through digital ads. So like if you're on, you're looking, we like to use the example, you're searching golf clubs or photography on, you know, equipment on Amazon and all of a sudden... A few days later, you're on MSN.com or you're on some random website and you're getting those ads served to you. That's the next part we're talking about. If you're clicking that ad, it's going to bring you, ideally, to a landing page where you can capture that data and you can give a report on, you know, you can actually quantify who's clicking stuff. And that's what we have a lot with clients. They want to know, like, you know, what can you results can you show me? Like, that's as close as we can get them to you through the messaging, through how aesthetically pleasing that ad is, that they're actually going to click it, make a buying decision on that, and we can show at least who's clicking and who's not. And we can actually tweak our results that way. And I know Caitlin and Jake work with different script in those ads, especially the digital ads, yeah. different the way it looks. So people will click and they'll run to kind of some side-by-side comparison. So that would be another way. Yeah, we call that A-B testing, where we run two ads kind of lead to the same place. Whichever ad, we'll watch that data as it comes in and then you can tell which ad performs better or speaks to people, mm-hmm. uh, you could say. So then you, you dial that ad in a little bit farther, maybe drop the one that's not performing well, really crank up the one that is. There's a lot of different things you could do. So just to recap, the first three we talked about would be social media presence. We'll get into that a little bit more. Developing a blog, Jake hit on, thinks that's very important. Generating leads, obviously a few different ways you can do that with white papers data capturing and landing pages. The fourth one would be email marketing, kind of just another arm of any marketing campaign. Great way if you're putting out consistent emails, people are going to visit your website that you're taking it in the website somewhere, maybe at the bottom, at the footer. Yeah, my big thing with email marketing is just you created all this content. Like we keep saying that word, content, content, content. That's just another way to get that information out uh, and, and repurpose it. Mm-hmm. The fifth one and probably the largest one that Jake's deal deal with, I mean, it's coincide with social media, but digital advertising. And it's like, that's such a large word. Like it, it, it's such a large scope. But I think that's one of the most important things that Jake does for us. Talk about what digital advertising actually means. Like it sounds like a very like all-encompassing word, Jake, but what does digital advertising actually mean to drive traffic to a website? The simplest way to say it is people are looking for your business. We can help them find you. So what that in a bigger scope is regardless of what you're selling, what your product is, what your service is, people are looking for that information online. We can, with digital advertising, we can cut through all that red tape and all that competition. And with the use of in, in some cases, even minimal budget, we can deliver your website's ads in front of those people that are searching for that information. So whether you're a plumber or a hotel or a car dealer, you know, a, a machine shop, you can stand a chance against all of these, let's call them even 
big businesses, big box stores, and actually have a chance for some market share and, and get your product service in front of these people. Great example. So if you're a small business, say you're a small retail business, I think the car dealership's a decent one. Like there's tons of, tons of small dealers around the town, right? But how do you go up against the Bergstroms or the Broadways or the Lemuse or the Dorschfort? Like how would you... If you were a business listening right now, like what would you recommend? Do, do you do just like you're serving ads to people when they search like 2018 Toyota Tundra on Google? Or are there other ideas that you come across that would apply to that example? Yeah. Big thing that we're seeing a, a lot of increase in recently over the past couple of years is retargeting. And I know Matt alluded to it a little bit earlier when he said you search for something whether it was golf clubs or, or whatever on Google before. We know the client or the, the target that we're trying to go after. We know what they searched for. Retargeting, now when you're on a different website, you can go back after those people and show them exactly what they searched for. It's as kind of a, a haunting nudge. Continually putting products that you have had interactions with in front of you all the time. That's what we're trying to do is for, for that car dealer. Let's say somebody looked up on cars.com or Carfax or Kelly Blue Book. Let's say they looked up that stuff, right? And you're a small car, car dealer. We already know that those people looked at those sites. So whether it's on Facebook or Google, those sites store cookies. It's not tasty as they are. They store them and we can now serve ads based on things that people have looked at. So if they've been on those sites, we can now take your small car dealership and put them in front of the people who are actively searching for your products. People think, probably listening to this or reading Jake's blog that's on the website, you can obviously listen to the audio format after this a few days later. People probably find this is bizarre, right? Like, you guys actually do this? Like, yeah, that's what we do because everyone else is doing it, right? Like, if you want your yeah. business to get out there, people that are making buying decisions don't just go to the, anymore, go to the small business in town that sells whatever it is. They're actively researching, especially a car is a great example. People just don't go to the random dealership or check out some flyer like, I'm going to buy this vehicle. They, they're they actively making conscious decisions, buying decisions based on research. And if you're getting in front of them during that research process, higher chance you're going to get some success. If you're just sitting out there with not doing any of these types of tactics, like you're going to miss on the market share or you can't compete with these other small businesses that are doing it or even the large scale ones that just have that brand awareness. Absolutely. The one question I want to ask, Jake, because it came up a lot when I started back in the spring and now I'm more educated on it. Tell people the difference. We talked about retargeting. Tell people the difference between IP targeting and geofencing. I remember vividly people asking, it was four or five prospects and some new clients that we've had in a row that were asking, what is geofencing? And I found it hilarious. It was honestly four or five in a row that asked that. What is the difference between geofencing and IP targeting? Geofencing is a big buzzword you're going to hear. Mm -hmm. You're going to get every other media rep come into your office and they're going to throw out that buzzword geofencing. All right. Geofencing, to be dead honest with you, is exactly what it says. It is putting a fence around a location. However, what they don't tell you is what that location is based off of. So they just say it's based off of your location or your address. Technically, yes, but it's your address and where it sits within cell phone towers. Let's say you've got, you're sitting in our office right now and we're over by the mall on Oneida Street. Kind of put that in, in your head right now. Let's say we're sitting here and we want to geofence our own shop here. 
there could be a cell tower over by Ashwabame Park. So that's about two miles from here. Mm-hmm. There could be one by Lambeau Field, which is a couple blocks from here. And then there could be one over by Best Buy, right? Down the road away. Yeah. So we have this weird, I it's don't know. It's going to be a weird triangle of some sort. Wonky triangle. Mm-hmm. That is the fence that they're going to put around your geo. There's going to be a lot of waste in there. Think of now that triangle that we just drew mm-hmm. and how much weird business is within that triangle. Ton of, um, to give content, ton of fast food businesses over here, ton of cell phone companies. There's other, like you're just going to have so much. Churches, food. car dealers, yep. you know, there's, there's everything under the sun within this. But you were trying to geofence us as a marketing company. I don't feel that geofencing works and they're going to talk really fast on you and use that buzzword. So now what we offer is far better. Um, it's called IP targeting. All right. So now IP targeting is odds are you're either listening to this on your phone or on a computer or whatever. Each one of those devices has its own IP address. My phone, my laptop, my tablet, my iPad, it's all got their own IP address. What we can do is actually dial it down to that individual device and where those devices are housed. You call them their home location. What that means is, let's say we want to hit everybody's IP around BPM right here in our office building. Now we share an office building with a tailor. We share it with Knight Barry, a couple insurance guys. So you're essentially going to hit everybody in this building, unless you know right where we are. We can draw a polygon right around our office little block here and only target BPM's office. You won't get Nightberry, which is next door, because you're gonna exclude that on your little drawing that you make. We can dial it in that far. Other stuff that we've done with IP targeting, I mean, you go after new movers. So anybody new within a zip code, you can go directly after their IP address. So think of a neighborhood where there's a for sale sign in the yard and then you don't see it a week later, odds are somebody's moving in there. We can deliver ads to them and not the old neighbor. IP targeting is way more targeted than geofencing, a ton less ways, far better option. So don't be scared of that geofencing word and just kind of know what you're getting into if somebody's pitching you. And it is for sure a buzzword. And that's why, like I said, when I started, there was so many people that kept saying it. It was the best segue for Jake to basically just say what he said is, you can do geofencing, but then Jake's get out hit it's out his pen and paper and he makes this diagram as he tried to articulate through words, but he draws it out. He's like, you're going to have all this waste. You're going to hit these people that are shopping at the Halloween store or that were or at an insurance place. You're going to have all this waste where that's like a shotgun approach, where the IP targeting approach is a sniper approach, a laser approach where you're able to know if you specifically know in maybe a big office building where, I mean, this is crazy, where maybe the president or the CEO or the CFO offices, you could actually target within that IP address or target their laptop, target their cell phone, as crazy as it sounds, that's how people are getting in front of people that make buying decisions. It all leads back to me saying, you know, Google knows exactly who you are. Technology knows exactly who you are. Those are the five marketing strategies we suggest to implement to get people to your website and just to have at your arsenal for your company and your marketing strategies. Just to recap, social media, obviously those are always changing to put ads behind them and to make sure you're compliant with those ads, we can definitely help with 
developing a blog, as archaic as it sounds, and it is that scary four-letter word that Jake alludes to in his blog, it's still relevant, it creates content. Generating leads, you can do that through the white paper, through a landing page, and that pair that with digital ads. Email marketing, you wanna put up that content, and there's another way to get that out, and then digital ads, as Jake highlighted, all those different arms within that. Jake, I have two questions before for you before we leave, and I didn't allude to these. I've asked a lot of people this that we've had on the podcast. Obviously, you know, we've had a lot of small business owners. When you started Slager Photography, leading up to that in your early teens, did you ever think you'd own your own business? No, but I've been, I grew up around it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My grandpa and my dad, I mean, we're all, they were all small business owners in in construction. Dad runs a a kitchen and bathroom remodeling company. I grew up around it. Uh, I've seen how it played out life changed and my wife actually told me to pursue this and it was eye-opening experience that it was something I needed to do. I don't regret it at all. I I can see it actually in my 13-year-old. He's a hustler. He is trying everything he can to kind of follow in those footsteps and he's money hungry. He wants to do his part. He wants to run his own ship. Doesn't want to be governed by the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to make it on his own. It's nice to see that. Have that entrepreneurial ship within, yeah. I guess, his, his gene pool, right? And right. I think you're honestly like, of all the people we've talked with, like Aaron mentioned it, a few other people that have came on the podcast, none of them have said that they ever expected to own a small business. But I think you and I are the same that way. My grandfather was a small business owner. So was my dad. You see that and you understand that's a possibility where a lot of people that grow up, maybe they didn't ever pursue that. And it just all of a sudden accidentally happens. And then to have the support, it's normally the support of either your family, a spouse, and to understand the backing. Similar, we had Josh Russell um, from Josh Russell Studios on similar photography side of things that you do and he had the support from his wife as well to be able to gamble on himself and do that so you kind of have to have that belief I guess or just fall into it essentially is what happens but at least you have to have the foundation of people to help you my second question is very random I asked Caitlin and Molly this yesterday as they left the office have you watched the Netflix documentary yet The Social Dilemma it just came out recently so it basically it talks about everything you're talking about from the Facebook side of things of like it's going to serve you relevant information so I just thought that was something I would ask you and I didn't know if you've watched it yet no, I haven't actually. Okay. I want you to check out the social dilemma. It dilemma. basically it's terrifying. It makes you really analyze the social media and the Google things that we do here. It's I'll give you the premise. The premise yeah. is they take all of these former social media empire employees, whether they used to run engineering for Instagram, development on Facebook, algorithm stuff for Google, YouTube stuff, and they analyze how they serve information and how to get yeah. people's attention. It's terrifying and i think it, it just made me think about uh, about that 20 25 minute mark how you talked about how facebook has changed and how the things they basically made it so it's you're going to serve information that's relevant to that person but all you know they're going to click that because they have a predisposition yeah. for it check it out didn't I'm know if you checked check it, it out you have to any final words from you jake on the digital side of things for bpm or your photography business as you wrap up your senior season senior season's ending uh it's getting cold i don't have a studio so those kids as long as they can stand the cold that's what it is you know i'll I'll shoot till my fingers fall off Mm -hmm. the digital advertising side of things if you are not doing it you are missing out going back to the the whole entrepreneurial thing you know i'm running ads for my dad he just launched a facebook page he's very much the old the the phone book kind of ways that his shop is in two rivers wisconsin that's the mindset of wisconsin right now is everybody thinks this is brand new 
No, it, it's been going on since 2000. You need to bring your business and go with those changes. You're extremely missing out if, if you're not doing this stuff. And if you've got questions, guys like Matt and I are here to walk you through those if you want to dabble. If you want it done right and, and know that stuff's getting done, give us a call and we'll, we'll take it over. For sure. But you can do a lot on the digital side of things with a small budget if you have the faith and then the longevity yeah. you can't just think it's going to generate sales and six figures after a first few weeks but i mean right. it, to to put your money in the digital side of things and invest in marketing it's not as expensive as people would think thankfully we're in green bay right we're not in minneapolis sure. chicago los angeles where it's going to cost you six figures just to run some basic campaigns we're able to price our stuff aggressively because we're in a smaller market and like jake mentioned thankfully we are in green bay people aren't up to speed with the latest technology you at least still got time to compete you still have time we're able to educate our clients yeah. i'll add in there a little bit the biggest waste of money you could do right now is start a google campaign and run it autopilot the big reason we are in business is my ultimate goal regardless of what campaign you run I'm just going to use google as an example Google's ultimate goal is to take your money. So you type in what budget you want. Google will try the fastest to serve the least amount of ads to get your money the fastest. My goal is to make your money work the hardest for you. I take that budget, and that's why we have clients that pay us to manage those things. I get you the most clicks for that budget. Rather than be a number one for $10 a click, let's put you at number two for $2 a click and get five extra clicks out of that. Whereas if you just set it on autopilot, there goes your 10 bucks. That's our biggest takeaway from this is get somebody that's kind of on your side. We're a small business ourselves and, and we wouldn't do it ourselves if we didn't believe in it. Awesome. Well, Jake, I appreciate you coming on the episode, finally being able to sit down with me to record. What you do for us is super important and more companies should be doing this. I think it's a great investment for them. If you guys need to get a hold of Jake or I, you can do that through our website inquiry or through any social media platforms, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. Depending on what avenues you're interested in, feel free to reach out to us. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, please review, rate, share this. Very easy to copy the link and send it to someone you think that's a small business owner or should be pursuing these ideas. If you could subscribe, whether you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe and rate and review. We appreciate you guys listening. Look for more episodes in the future as we have another guest coming on in the following episodes. And of course, as always, please listen to the Bare Necessities Audio Digest where we turn our blogs into audio format and look for Jake's five marketing strategies to implement once you launch a website in the coming days. But for Jake Slager, I'm Matt Fralick. Thanks for bearing with us. Thank you for listening to this Bear Den podcast. Follow Bear Performance Marketing on all social media accounts and look for further insight into marketing with Bear Den episodes and interviews with small business owners. Added audio versions of Bear Necessity blogs, which are also available at bearpm.com slash blog. Send us your marketing questions for them to be answered on a podcast by our BPM team.